Let's go to the book of Acts. Book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Acts chapter 2, 17, verse 17 and verse 18. And I've got a lot of scripture to cover this morning. The Lord, uh, we've been dealing with the passion of the early church. And yesterday the Lord spoke to me about a certain area to deal with. Amen. has to deal with the passion of prophetic, apostolic, progressive power. Look at your neighbor. Now, I don't even know if I can say that again. So if you, if you want the title of the message, write it down now. Okay, the passion of progressive, pro prophetic, apostolic power. The passion of progressive, prophetic, apostolic power. Look at your neighbor and say, say it with me. The passion of progressive, prophetic, apostolic power. Let's say it again. The passion of progressive, prophetic, apostolic power. Say it again. The passion of pro progressive, prophetic, apostolic power. Say it again. The passion of progressive, prophetic, apostolic power. Give God a hand clap of praise. God is awesome. He just quickened so many things to me yesterday in preparation for this message, so I'm excited about it. Hallelujah. Let's pray for this message. God, we just come before you right now and thank you, God, for speaking to us and revealing things to us. Show us, lead us, and guide us, God, into your perfect purpose and will in this hour in which we live. God, we believe that we have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And that you are going to use this body. Woo, God, I praise you. Hallelujah. You're going to use this body to demonstrate and manifest your kingdom. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Nobody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 17, it shall come to pass in that day, in those days, or in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, say prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power. Say power. <clears throat> you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in, say with me, Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in, all, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Look at your neighbor and say this. I know, wow, where'd your neighbors go? 
Look at your neighbor and say here, I came here not to just hear something. I came here to be something. Tell him again. I didn't come here just to hear something. I came here to be something. Woo, praise God. Passion demonstrated. Passion demonstrated is what we see. Look at verse, again, verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What is prophecy? Go to Numbers 12. Okay. Numbers chapter 12. There is ranks in the kingdom of God. There are ranks. Look at your name and say ranks. Not all apostles are on the same level. Not all prophets are on the same level. Not all pastors are on the same level. Not all teachers are on the same level. You with me? Praise God. There's different ranks in the kingdom of God. All right, Numbers chapter 12. Let's, let's understand some things about prophecy because God said you would do it. Say to yourself, I will do it. Hallelujah. Isn't God an awesome God? Verse 6. He said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him. So, listen. Prophecy is a revelation of God. It is God making himself known. Do you understand that? Say revelation. Do you understand that a revelation of God is what's going to change this world? A revelation of God is what's going to change you. The more revelation of God that you have, the more you are becoming. I didn't come here just to hear something. I came here to become something. And when you get a revelation of God, you see God. Prophecy is to give you a revelation of God. To give you a vision of God. You understand? A, a revelation of His oneness. A revelation of His character. A revelation of His justice. A revelation of His mercy. Prophecy is a revelation of God. So when somebody stands up and they are prophesied, it says they shall prophesy. When they stand up, they are giving you a revelation of God. They are showing you the godness of God. Woo! Do you understand that? He's, now look at it again. I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. Say a vision. And a vision is what? To see God. You got a vision, then you have seen God. You've seen God. You've seen His, His mind. You've seen His purpose, what His purpose is. Woo, I'm feeling all right now. Give God some praise. You've seen His will. Say, so you've seen God. How many of you have seen God? 
So you got a revelation of God. He's going to show himself to you. You've seen God, but you also know what his will is, what his mind is, and what his purpose is. That's a vision. That's kingdom vision. I know what he's doing right now. I know what he's going to do in the future. That's getting the vision. God, what are you doing? It's tapping into the mind of God. We learned there in the conference that you have got to think. Because if you can think it, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. See, this is not just laying aside your brain. If you can think it to happen, it is you have to first think it before it comes to pass. Before God created the heavens and the earth, he had to think it first. And when he, he thought it and then he said, let there be. You have to have the ability to get a vision. You have to have the ability to see God. You have to understand. You have to know what the mind of God is. And if you know what the mind of God is, if you can think it, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. But if you don't have a vision, you will perish. If you don't see yourself blessed, you will never be blessed. If all you do is see yourself in poverty... And think that that's what God's will is for you. You will never go beyond poverty. But the word of God says this. He said, I would that you prosper. And be in good health. Even as I sell prospers. You've got to get a vision that God wants to prosper you. You can't, well, you know, some of us, we get this, this pious platitude about us. That, well, you know, I'm poor, but I love God. Well, I'm glad that you love God, but God doesn't want you to be poverty stricken. So settle it right now. He said, I would that you prosper. And I'm not just talking about material, but I am talking about material. I'm also talking about spiritual. You're not no more, you're, you're no more powerful in God if you're poor. Being poor don't make you more powerful in God. So stop glorifying your poverty. You've got to get a vision. You've got to see in your mind that you're no longer poor anymore. You've got to see yourself blessed in the kingdom of God. You've got to sell it right now that God wants to bless you. And sell it right now that God wants you to prosper. And I'll tell you what. I told Brother Dan after I got, you know, I learned a lot, not just by what I heard, but what I observed. And I said, after some of those services, I got in the car and driving along, hallelujah, I said, I am never, 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 never going to, uh, you know, feel guilty about the blessings of God any longer. And I'm not letting anybody else make me feel guilty about how God has blessed me. Ooh, hallelujah. I'm telling you. Those, those preachers, hallelujah, I love them, I love them. They, they're, uh, you know, they got a little different skin color than I do, praise God. But I want you to know one thing, when they walk in their pulpits to preach, they look like royalty down in the pulpit. They've got robes on that are like royal apparel, honey. I'm telling you, they, they, they glisten with, with all kinds of beauty. And they stand in there like kings. 
In fact, one of them was introduced in the conference, you know, as Bishop Lewis. And Bishop Lewis walked up there in the pulpit and he said, you know, I appreciate you introducing me as Bishop Lewis, he said, but I take a little bit of exception to that. He said, because I'm not just a bishop. He said, I'm a king. So the next time you introduce me, don't just introduce me as Bishop Lewis. Introduce me as King Bishop Lewis. And so the next time that man stood in the pulpit that introduced him, he said, this is King Bishop Lewis. You've got to realize who you are in God. You can't walk around all the time and thinking that your poverty and thinking, well, hanging your head and all of that. You are a king's kid. You've got to get a vision. Get rid of your so-called pious platitudes. Well, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just, hallelujah, I don't I, I think I just live for God. And, and I'm not telling you that at times you're not going to go through suffering. You've got to go through suffering if you're ever going to be anything in God. But you need to settle in your mind right now. You need to get a vision of God. You need to understand. You need to see His mind. You need to see yourself. You need to think beyond where you are now and see yourself doing great and powerful things in the kingdom. See yourself blessed. Give God some praise. If we can think it, he's able to do more than what I can think. He gave us a vision for this building. He gave us a vision for a building over there. If I can think it, it will come to pass because God. And so prophecy is given a revelation of God. A vision is seeing God. It's seeing what He's doing. It's seeing what His will is. Seeing His mind. Seeing His purpose. It's not just my expectation. But it's God's expectation. And if I can, if I can tap into what God expects and see it. If all you ever do is see yourself just barely making it, that's all you're ever going to do is barely make it. But you've got to see yourself if you're sick healed. You've got to see yourself if you're lame walking. You've got to see. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost this morning, you've got to see yourself speaking in tongues. Because if you can't see yourself speaking in tongues, you'll never speak in tongues. You've got to get the mind of God inside of you. You don't see yourself walking in victory. You're never going to walk in victory. If all you can do is just see yourself where you are right now, depressed and discouraged, sitting on the back pew in need of deliverance every time you come to church, and always just struggling, struggling, struggling. If that's all you can see, you'll never get beyond that. You've got to get a vision of God for your life. You've got to start thinking right. So you've got to start thinking right. And, and one, one brother, one bishop, he said up there, hallelujah. You could tell he not only believed he was a king, he dressed like one. He dressed like one. One night he wore a yellow shoe with yellow shoes. Hallelujah. I couldn't get away with that, but Brother Jonathan could. And then one night he wore a pink striped suit with pink and white shoes. 
Bishop Wagner looked at him and said, he as he was preaching, he said, look, that those pink and white shoes didn't affect his anointing. Come on, somebody. He looked like, acted like, lived like a king, believed he was. Let me tell you, he, at one time, Bishop Wagner needed $600,000 overnight. And that one particular man that was dressing like that drove his Rolls Royce. But I don't know about that. Yeah, that's why you are where you are. That's why you are where you are. Because all you can see is yourself driving a boat, like with the doors falling off of it. That's I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But he drove his Rolls Royce up there. Said, Bishop, you need $600,000. Here's the key to my Rolls. Hello, somebody. Bishop, Bishop Wagner said, I couldn't receive it. He said, you know, sometimes God wants to bless you, and you turn your back on and say, no, 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 I don't need it. You know, like, well, you know. He said, but now if you brought me the keys, he said, I'd probably accept it. I'm telling you, and I drove out of there, and I looked at I'm never going to apologize for the blessings of God. I'm not going to let anybody... Make me feel intimidated about it because I don't see myself just driving a Volkswagen. I see myself blessed. I see the kingdom of God blessed. I don't see myself sick. I don't see myself dying. I don't see myself struggling, trying to make ends. Come on, somebody. But on the other hand, sometimes you're going to suffer in the midst of all of that. Are you getting the point here? If you can think it, God can do it. God had to think creation before he brought it to pass. You've got to have a revelation of God. You've got to have a, a vision of God. You've got to see God. You've got to get his mind, praise God. You've got to understand what he's doing now in the kingdom. You've got to see your husband sitting beside you in church. If he's not here today, you've got to see it. If your wife's not here, you got to see your wife sitting beside you in church. you got to see Odessa flocking into the church. you got to see Midland coming here. you got to see people driving from other cities coming to this place. Man, some of those people in that part, I talked to some of them. Some of them drive many, many miles just to go to church in Youngstown, Ohio. Some of them live 100 miles away, but they drive all the time just to go to church there. I looked at one of them. I said, if it's alive, it's worth the drive. It's worth I'm going to tell you something. I've got a vision. I know God is big. I see big. I don't see little. You can't see little, because if you see little, you'll stay little. But if you see big, that's what you will become. Give God some praise. That's why there has to be prophecy. There has to be revelation of God. You have to see God's mind. And if you can think it, he gave you the thought. You think the devil is giving you a thought of being healed? You think the devil's giving you a thought of being prosperous? You think the devil is the one that's giving you the vision for the harvest to come in? You think the devil's the one telling you to do? Watch this. 
God will move on your heart to do something in the kingdom of God. And if you don't sow it right then, the devil will come and sweep it away. And he'll tell you, well, that was just you thinking that. You've got to see yourself doing that. That what? After one brother got through preaching, man, they take up two offerings. They take one at the beginning of the service and another one at the end of the service. You know, I paid registration fee, you know. Hallelujah. You got in. First service. Anybody got a, you know, when you lift your hand, you want to give to the Lord. So we gave in. And then the night service, a preacher stood up and said, well, do you have X amount of dollars? Would you be willing to give? And the Holy Ghost moved on us. So we gave that. And then after that, another one stood up and said, well, hallelujah, we want an offering of such and such. Can you do that? I want you to know that by the time I got out of there, I didn't have a, a dollar in my wallet. I didn't have a dollar in my wallet. And that was after the Wednesday night service. I mean, I was, hallelujah, pretty much, you know, I'd give it a thing. By the, well, by the time we got to Thursday, I didn't have no money. Hallelujah. And so then they stood up and they received an offering before the preaching came. Well, I didn't have nothing. I was really feeling bad. You know what? But God helped me with that. He said, you can't if you can't. If you don't have it, you can't do it. But you gave what you had. But I'm telling you, man, preachers stand up, earlier, 25,000 in this church, you know. Hallelujah. They lied up, praise God. Gave their offering, and after the preaching, they took up another one. <laughs> Ooh, give God some praise. I said, I know next time when I go to this conference, I'm going to bring some extra cash with me because I'm going to have to give an offering every service. See, you don't understand. I don't have a problem with that because I believe in sowing seed into God's kingdom. Well, give God some praise. But he asked for a certain amount, you know, hallelujah. And so we pulled it out and walked to the front and dropped it in there. That was a Wednesday night. Thursday, I found out that something was going on with the property over there. Praise the Lord. How are you with me right now? And I had to make a decision. I had to trust God to give me some wisdom how to handle it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you with me right now? But I called them back up and I said, well, let's do it. They said, well, it's going to be $9,000 less than what you thought it was going to be. And listen to, this. listen to me. The Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, you planted in uh, the Word of God. You sowed into this anointing. When you sowed last night, you sowed into the anointing that was on that platform. And when you sowed into the anointing of that platform, he said, I was working for you. When you thought you had it signed, sealed, and delivered, God said, because you sowed into the anointing that was on that platform, he said, because of that, I decreased your debt load by $9,000. And you can sit there, and you know, get a... <laughs> But it works. I said it works. You can't see yourself, little. You got to see yourself doing something powerful in the kingdom of God. Look at your name and say, you're a king. Tell him again, you're a king. Tell him, I got a vision of you ruling. Yeah. You got to be able to see it. Hallelujah. I said, give God some praise. 
If you can think it, he can do more than you can think it. But you're going to have to step out in faith to see it come to pass. Give God praise. He said, though the, say with me, vision. We're preaching our prophecy and vision. Though the vision tarry, wait for it, for it shall come to pass. Though the vision tarry, wait. What you saw might be tarrying, but wait for it because it shall come to pass. There's obstacles that are trying to keep that vision from coming to pass. But wait for it. Don't give up. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Don't go anywhere. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. He said, Terry, until you see it come to pass. Give God praise. That's what prophecy is a self-revelation of God to you. Vision is seeing him, seeing his mind, his will, his purpose in your life. If you don't have a vision, you're going to perish. You got, we got to learn to think, right? Whew. It got some praise here. I'm not talking about mind manipulation. I'm talking about you if you think it. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. It's Bible. Give God some praise. Verse 6, he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. Whew, yeah. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. I want you to know today that the old men and the young men he's talking about there has nothing to do with age. Old men are fathers in ministry. Young men are sons of fathers in ministry. Has nothing to do with how old you are physically. It's spiritual. So a dream is something you hear. Look at it. He said this. He said, I'll speak unto him in a dream. How many of y'all heard God tell you something? How many dreamers I got in here? Father's dream. They hear God. Come on, somebody. Sons in ministry. Praise God. Have vision. I told you that Joseph was a young man age-wise, but Joseph had a dream. You got to dare to dream. I know what I heard God tell me. I know he told me this. Watch this. Over there, we were in the process. We had to make a decision on this property. And here comes this little voice that says, well, maybe God wanted, maybe, you know, we just missed, her, missed didn't really hear God on it. And maybe God wanted us to go somewhere else. But I know I heard God on it. I know I heard God on it. He said, let us go up at once and possess the land. We took that ram's horn and we laid it on those buildings. And we declared that it belonged to God. So I know we didn't hear wrong. So God helped me with that. He said, that is my will. So do 
it. I said, okay. I called the phone, called the banker. Hallelujah. Talked to the broker. And I said, we're going to do it. $9,000 less than what we thought before. It has come to pass. What God said, what we saw, what we heard has come to pass. It belongs to you now, church. But if you can't see it and you can't hear it, you can't act on it. If you can't, I'm going to say it again. If you can't see it and you can't hear it, you can't act on it. What are you going to act on if you don't see anything? What are you going to act on if you don't hear anything? You got to see it. You got to think it. Then God can do more than what you can think. That's what prophecy is for. That's what vision's for. That's what revelation for. That's what, come on, dreams are for. Do you understand? Woo! It's what allows the invisible heavenly things to be manifest in the earthly realm. Come on! God uses your mind to think. The reason why he does that is so that what he thinks in the heavens can be manifest in the earth. Your mind is the tool he uses to bring about manifestation in the earth. And if you're not thinking it, it's not happening here. Give God praise. Woo, give God some praise. I said give God some praise. Give God some praise. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your fathers are going to dream dreams. Your sons in ministry are going to see visions. Are y'all excited about that? Mm. But it's God. Watch this. Verse 7, my servant Moses is not so who is faithful in my house. God said about Moses, he's greater than a prophet. Which means there's ranks in the kingdom of God. He's not just a prophet that I'll speak to in, in dreams. He's not just a prophet that I will show myself in vision. He's not just a prophet that I'll reveal myself, my godness to him. But he is a man who is greater than a prophet. He is apostolic in order. He is an apostle in his house. Give God praise. God is the one who gives rank. God gave Moses his rank. Come on. Are you with me here? Say there's progressive, prophetic, and apostolic power. When God first calls you as a pastor, you haven't arrived at the highest level of that. God first calls you. Come on. He called. He wants you to do so. I want you to teach Sunday school. You're not the best you're ever going to be. He, you're going to graduate from rank to rank. You're going to go higher and higher in God's call. Give God some praise. There are apostles over houses. There are apostles over cities. There are apostles over nations. I sit under apostles in that conference that were not just apostles over their family and not just apostles over their house, the church they pastor, but I sit under apostles who are apostles over kingdoms, who are apostles over nations. Bishop Wagner has been invited to the White House many times. Bishop Bismarck Tudor has prayed over princes and kings in his country of Africa. I said under apostles of kingdoms and apostles of nations. There's different ranks in the kingdom of God. And you graduate. So that 
If God's got his hand on you to fulfill a certain aspect of ministry, if you make a mistake, don't let the enemy come and tell you that you're not true that you're not a real apostle or real whatever God's called you to be that you're not real because you made a mistake listen to me right now are you here right now we'll give God some praise it has to do with your maturity in that office you start out as a baby prophet so to speak and babies make mistakes in that office but they mature in ranking they go from level to level stage to stage dimension to dimension well, Pastor, what about that where it says, you know, that they got to be 100% accurate? Listen to me. That means when God says it, it has to be 100% accurate. A man can say things and be partially right and partially wrong. Come out of you here today. We see through a glass darkly, then face to face. I listen to the greatest, I believe, the greatest apostle, in the, especially in America, Bishop Wagner, while I was there. That man has to feel after God. That man, had to, the devil tried to kill him. He had, come on, had to trust God for healing. I had a heart attack. I was in the verge of having a heart attack before the conference ever started. He had to feel after God. He didn't know what completely what was going to happen there. His church fasted and prayed for him four days and four nights they did give up praying and fasting for the man of God he was in the hospital come on listen to me you need to understand what I'm talking about I'm talking about a great apostle here he doesn't you, you see through a glass darkly but then face to face even he has to feel after the mind of God he's not mistake free he'll tell you that you need to understand what I'm telling you right now because God has helped me with this. Because listen to me, I'm a human. But I'm telling you right now, I can mature in the things of God and so can you. Are you here? Give me some, give God some praise in this house. Woo, hallelujah. 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 Give God praise. Hallelujah. If I recall correctly, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah went into Hezekiah. Hezekiah, he said, well, prophet said, do what's in your heart. He walked out the door and God spoke to him and said, you know, you go back in there. You've got to tell him something different. Hear me now. I said, hear me now. We are trying to be in alignment with God. That's what we, we're just wanting to do what God wants us to do. And we're not always right in the middle of it. Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Give God some praise. So if you've got a prophet in the house or somebody that's got a prophetic anointing on their house, maybe one of these men that are here in this house got a prophetic anointing on their house, and they get up, man, and they might have it right on for a little bit. And the sentence is going along, and you know it's God. Then all of a sudden, it becomes them. So you walk up to them and say, yeah, that was God. The first part, you said, that's God. But the last part wasn't God. That was you. you got to hear what I'm telling you. They're not mature. I'm not mature yet. I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm moving in the things of God Almighty. I see through a glass darkly. And I'm going to prove it to you by the word of God. He says this. Watch this. My servant Moses, not so. Who is faithful in all my house? My house. He's higher than a prophet. He's an apostle. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. 
even apparently and not in dark speeches dark speeches means this that sometimes you don't see it clearly I said sometimes you don't always see it clearly come on with time though you begin to be able to focus you begin to say yeah God I see it clearly now I didn't see it clearly to begin with but now I see it clearly it was dark but now I see oh yeah yeah it's coming clear you see what I'm telling you that's what God's word says sometimes you see it in dark speeches you don't see it completely clear hallelujah you don't even know the timing of it sometimes give God some praise the problem is we don't understand some of these things, you know? So we get discouraged and quit and give up. Well, God must not really have his hand on me. Yes, he does. But the word says sometimes it's dark. Sometimes you don't hear it and see it clearly. Give God some praise. Well, it might not be helping you, but it's helping me. I said it's helping me. Moses, God spoke to him mouth to mouth. He looked him right in the eyeball and said, this is what I'm going to do, Moses. Because he was an apostle. He didn't have to send him a dream. He didn't have to send him a vision. He didn't have to have all visions all the time and dreams all the time. You know why? Because God would come and speak to him directly and said, this is what's going to happen, Moses. Do you hear me? There's something better than dreams and visions. It's when God comes and speaks a direct word and says, This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Act on it. Give God some praise in this house. I don't have a lot of visions. I have some visions and some dreams. I don't have a lot of them. But I can tell you this times God comes in my spirit and says, I'm going to do this. Do it this way. I'm going to do it now. There's something even greater. You know, we, well, we get excited about dreams and visions, and that's part of the kingdom of God. And we need to understand there's progression in growth. I'm going to prove it to you. There's progression of growth even in those offices. But there's something better than having a dream. There's something better. Come on. There's something better than hearing a dream. And something better than seeing a vision. It's when God says, he just walks up there and just tells you. He bypasses dreams. He bypasses the vision process. And he just says, God himself comes in there and says, this is that. Give God some praise. Well, I feel it pretty good right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. I'm here to tell you that God's going to manifest His power in the last days like you. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first, which means what He did at the beginning, He's going to do at the end. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. If you want to see what the church is going to be like in the last days, look at the early church passion there. How many of you see yourself doing things in the kingdom? And you say, oh, that can't be me, God. Because don't you know? I don't know. You know, I have a handkerchief, but I'm going to be like those bishops. They bring towels to their pulpits. <laughs> see, I plan on moving in that type of anointing. <laughs> 
So I'm going to do what I see and I'm going to obey what I hear. I'm going to move in that type of noise. I, you know, I'm going to do what they do. They, they bring towels to their pulpits to dry their face. I'm going to bring a towel. Hallelujah. I might even put on a robe one night. No, 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 no. I, I, I leave that with the bishops. Hallelujah. Oh, but let me tell you something. Come on, somebody. Listen to me right now. We were, all, we were up there, you know. Oh, well, actually, let me, let me back up here because I'm getting so excited. I'm about to fall all over myself. <laughs> but we were, before we got there, we had a semi-formal dinner to go to on Tuesday, and the services started on Wednesday, all right? So before we went, I was talking to Brother Daniel about it, and uh, he asked me about what I was going to wear at that, at that dinner. I said, well, brother, I'm not going to wear a tux. <laughs> And he cracked up and laughed on me. <laughs> you know, are you here right now? And the reason why he did that was because he, he wasn't even thinking along those lines, you know. He was wondering if I were going to wear jeans and a, a, a polo shirt or, or a suit or what. That was what was on his mind, not a tux, you know. That's why he laughed when I said, I wasn't going to wear a tux. So he said, glad to know that, you know. <laughs> But when I got there, God's good. The Tuesday before the dinner, we happened to see a, a, a man's clove warehouse store. So we just happened to pull in there. Hallelujah. And I was over there looking at some stuff. Brother Daniel, he wanted some suits. I said, go find you some suits, you know. He's over there looking for suits. I said, you know what? I'm going to go and see what they got for me. Hallelujah. So I walked over there, and I was looking through stuff. Man, they had a $175 jacket for $54. I said, I'll take that. <laughs> But as I kept flipping through there, I came across a, a pretty black a jacket. I said, man, I've never seen a jacket that pretty in my life. I mean, it, it, it kind of shimmers just a little bit on the pocket. It, it, I mean, you know, it's got the black, you know, it's still black, but you can see it's shiny, you know, when the light hits it, it shines. I, thought, I said, man, I've never seen a, a, a jacket like that, you know. Then I opened it up, and the pants had this, this line that run down the, the side of the pant, you know. <clears throat> and that line kind of shimmered a little bit, too, praise the Lord, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I opened it up and it says, tuxedo. I said, nah, I don't want that. I don't need no tuxedo. What am I going to do with a tuxedo, you know? <laughs> you know, I've already told Brother Daniel, I'm not going to wear a tux. I couldn't see myself in a tux. <laughs> Glory to God. So anyway, I kept looking at that suit. Oh, it's a Super 100. Well, if you don't know nothing much about clothes, I don't either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> But a Super 100 is a very high-quality suit. Hello, somebody. And, and it had a brand name on it. And then the man said, this is a brand-name tux. It's not just a tux. It's a brand-name tux. I looked over there. Hallelujah. They had it on sale for $99. I looked at the pants. They were a size 35. I'm not a 35. <laughs> I'm more 33 in there, you know, 33 and a half, somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. So I said, hey, man, I said, can you take up a 35 all the way down to about a 33 or 34? He said, well, we'll just have to see. He said, go in there and try it on, and I'll measure it for you. Walked in there, would you believe those 35s were a small 35? <laughs> they fit me better than my 33 and a half. 
they fit me like somebody tailored the suit for me. The jacket, they didn't even have to alter the jacket, didn't have to alter the pants. I started seeing myself in that suit for that dinner that night. I said, okay, I'll take it. Well, put the pants on, hallelujah, he did. I said, well, can you cuff these, you know, because I, I, you know, it took me a long time to get modern. I, when I, you know, when I was pre first started preaching, I wouldn't let him cuff my pants because I thought it was too immodest, you know. I didn't want to look, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. Praise God. But anyway, I got to a point in my, my life I could, I could go that far. I could stretch it just a little bit, you know, and go ahead and let him cuff my pants, hallelujah. Hoping that everybody wouldn't think I was a little bit too extravagant. Because look, he wear cuff pants, you know. You don't know. It took me a while to get there. So I put those pants on. I walked up there. I said, hey, can you cuff these? He said, sir. He's, you know, they're real, real. I mean, this is a nice place. This is a real, you know, a pretty dignified place. He said, sir, uh, they don't cuff formal pants. I said, thank you, sir, for telling me. Because <laughs> I don't know all about this stuff, you know. <laughs> he said, go ahead and just do it regular. So he did it regular. Well, here's another. Here's what happened. Got my suit, praise the Lord. And the salesman said, would you like a formal shirt to go with it? I'm thinking to myself, sir, you don't know how much I'm stretching this to get a tux. You know, I, I don't want to wear costly apparel. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, sir, come on over here. Let's see what we got. He pulled out a formal shirt, $60 shirt. They hit it on sale for $30. He said, what do you think about that? And I said, I take it. <laughs> I can see myself wearing that. I'll take it. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> so I got my shirt. I said, well, I got a question for you. I need something I can wear a regular tie with because I'm not a bow tie, bow tie, my mom told. Bow, bow tie, bow, 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 bow tie, man. <laughs> he said, sir, he said, this one right here, he showed me. He said, this one right here, you can wear a regular tie with it and a bow tie. I said, I take that because you never know, I might wear a bow tie too. <laughs> I said, that's the shirt I want. So me and Brother Daniel went back to the, to the, where we stay, hallelujah. Where was he staying? You know, Red Roof Inn. <laughs> Went back to the Red Roof Inn, man, with my tugs in hand. Red Roof Inn, hallelujah. My tugs in hand. Brother Daniel, I, I opened that thing up. It was a mess. It was all wrinkled and everything else. I had Brother Daniel was over there ironing his stuff. I said, do you iron his <laughs> that, that guy is special. I knew why God, you know, sent him with me. He was my bodyguard, you know. Bishop Wagner has bodyguards. They escort him into that service. Uh, that nobody ever can touch him. He's got bodyguards that escort him. And I, I look at it by, you know, I sit by him. I say, he's my bodyguard. And he can press shirts too. Hallelujah. What can your bodyguard do? I can iron too. Hallelujah. Look how big he is, you know. He's my boy. But anyway, got back to the room there, and he pressed the shirt, and I got to noticing something. Do you got one of them on today, brother? He don't have it. Uh, it's the kind that you got to have cufflinks. Oh, boy. I'm getting stretched every minute. 
Because I'd already told him before he wears cufflinks. I, I'd always give him a hard time about wearing cufflinks. You know what I'm saying? I, so I'm already getting stretched here. So I said, Brother Daniel, I said, would it be all right if I just pull my coat on and don't put cufflinks in there and just, you know, cover that right there? That'd be all right. He said, I don't know. It, you know, it might work okay. I don't know. We just try. Put it on. Try. I put it on, and I had my sleeve up here in my, right there in my forearm. <laughs> That's not, I try to pull it back down, praise God. You know, and this scripture keeps telling me, thou shalt not wear jewelry. <laughs> not supposed to wear jewelry. Cufflinks are cufflinks, hallelujah. So anyway, I called him up on the telephone and I said, hey, sir, what time do you close? We're fixing to have to go to this dinner. He said, nine o'clock. I said, all right, I'll be right there. I walked in there. I found the smallest ones I could. <laughs> I didn't want none of those big dudes, you know. <laughs> like a laser beam blinding everybody in the corner. <laughs> Catch the light and goes. Woo, shut that light up. Didn't want none of those. I found some real nice ones, they, the black, but when the light hits on, hits them, it looks like it's got an eye. I don't know what kind of deal it is, you know. It's really cool, though. So I bought those. I walked out, put them in my, in my coat. I didn't even know how to put them in there. Brother Daniel had to put them in there for me. Oh, boy, that's looking good. Them cufflinks in there, walked in there. Praise the Lord. How looking good. God's so good. I told Brother Daniel I wasn't going to wear a tux, but God said, I've got a tux waiting for you for $99. It's a, it's a name brand tux. It's like tailor fit, ready to go for you. And I walked in there, and you should have seen that place. It was decked out from the, from the floor to the roof. It was decked out. The table was formal. I didn't even know which fork to use for my salad. I didn't even know whose water was whose. I was afraid I was going to get my neighbor's water. I didn't know if my left-hand water was mine or my right-hand water was mine. Didn't have no, it was so formal. I walked in there. I said, Brother Dan, I said, I feel good. I said, I feel good. I said, I feel good. I feel, I don't feel like an idiot walking in here underdressed, you know. I said, I feel good. I didn't know if they were going to be wearing jeans here. I was taking a chance wearing a tux, but I came in there and it was a formal thing. Hallelujah. I, I said, thank you, Jesus. I finally didn't miss it. Because I know what it's like to underdress. And I know what it's like to overdress, and I didn't want to do either one of them. So I walked in there, hallelujah, and that, that line that shimmers a little bit, I'd go, woo, woo, woo. You don't know, you're talking to a Texas hillbilly, hallelujah. Texas hillbilly dressed like a king, man. Give God some praise. But I had to see myself in it. I had to see my. But here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go. Every once in a while I was talking. It was amazing how God, we sat down at that table and people started being, they started being drawn to us. It was amazing. Now they sit down with us at that table. Oh, God's good, isn't he? And they started asking me questions about certain things. You know, I'm saying, why are you asking me, man? I'm not, you're bishop. Yeah, let go talk to your bishop. Hallelujah. You know, but anyway, and every once in a while, I'd, I'd pull, my, pull my arm up like that. And one of those cuffs would stick out and, and they would look at it. And I'd go. 
but that's all right because I looked up there and some of them sisters were wearing ear no 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 go to sleep on me yet they were wearing earrings man they were wearing all kinds of stuff I said hello and they can wear their earrings I can wear my cufflinks In fact, one of them, were, that's what the questions were about, what I thought about earrings. I told them, well, I preach against it in old days. <laughs> Give God some praise. You don't understand what I'm telling you. God sent me there for, for more than one reason. Woo! They don't see everything out of eye with us concerning outward apparel. And I'm not changing the message. But I'm telling you right now, they have some of the greatest anointed apostolic authority that I've ever heard in my life. God stretched me in more than one way. And that sister that was talking to me about it, remember that church, and she didn't have any on. She looked just like you, real beautiful hair put up, you know, with no ears. And she was asking me about that. And I looked at her. I felt the power of the Holy Ghost. I said, I want to tell you something right now. You know, you question, you know, and wonder about this and about that as far as the outward appearance. The set man has to set it in the house. I said, I'm not going to try to cross that line. And I wouldn't go in his church and try to change his church. I would not do that. That would be out of order. That's his business. He's the bishop. He's the set man. But I can tell you this, that he didn't tell you to put them on. He didn't tell you you had to wear them. And I said, I want to tell you right now, I feel the anointing on your life that you are a very, very godly woman. Whoosh. And she was blessed by that conversation. Come, are you here today? Give God some praise. I said, you go to the church I pastor and you will hear me preach. Come on, I set the standards and the guidelines. I believe in that, but I can't tell your bishop what to do. He's the man of God in this house. I don't know, I don't know how much influence he has. You've got to hear what I'm saying. He has friends in the Baptist movement, friends in all kinds of movements that he's baptizing them in Jesus' name. They're getting filled with the Holy Ghost. He let some choirs sing in that service that I wouldn't have let on my platform because if I let him on my platform, I would compromise. But you see, he's got an influence. He took some of those very people in that choir and baptized them in the name of Jesus. Give God praise. Give God some praise. He has to move in the call that God has placed on him and the amount that God has placed on him. What God's told him to do is not what God's told me to do. See, and I recognize that. So hallelujah, isn't God good? I said, isn't God good? He's got better for you than you can even think or imagine. If you can think it, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can. Now, I wrestle with some stuff. I wrestle with some stuff. But I also learned some stuff. God's good, isn't he? Woo. Give God a hand clap of praise. There's an awesome anointing in this place. I'm telling you, ooh, God's good. I haven't even got 
to my message yet. God is here. He's got an awesome, awesome purpose for this church. Before I left, I told you I had a dream. I'll just tell you a little bit about it. I had a dream, and we were in a new sanctuary. Whoa. <laughs> yes. I'm not saying tomorrow. They've had a vision for what they call the city of God there in Youngstown for years. Five years ago, the bishop had, a, had a, a prophecy. Listen to me, church. This man is a man of God. They've had the dead raised in their church. This man is a man of God. A man went in his, in his office one day and started ripping into him. And that Bishop Wagner looked at him and said, Sir, you're fixing to cross the line. And that man said, I'm not afraid of you. There's other people. He said, there's other people afraid of you, Bishop, but I'm not afraid of you. And Bishop Wagner said, you cross the line. He said, you have signed your death warrant. Listen to me, church. They buried that man two days later. This is a man of God. Are you hearing me right now? It's real is what I'm trying to tell you. And it's serious. Get it out of your mind that we're just praying church here. This is very, 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 very serious. They had a vision for the, the city of God. And they, five years ago, this, pro, this bishop, Wagner, got a... A word from God that somebody was going to write a check for $5 million to go towards the city of God. Now listen, I'm telling you it's real, okay? I'm trying to show you here. While we were there the night he stood up and preached, he said he got a call in his office before he came in the pulpit. I don't know what, what time frame we're talking about or anything, but he said, before I came in here, I got a call on the phone. He said that a man called him and was talking to him about being involved in a $50 million uh, backing of the city of God. That he was going to help back Bishop Wagner with the city of God with at minimum of $50 million. And the bishop told him, he said this, he said, I had a vision. Or I saw somebody writing us a check for $5 million to start with. And he said, the man on the phone said, we can handle that. I'm here to tell you that God is going to bless some of you financially. You're going to be a conduit in the kingdom of God. So I'm not saying we're going to have a new sanctuary tomorrow, but I'm telling you, God is already bringing it about. He's providing what we need, and he's going to take care of the debt. Give God some praise today. It's real. This is not a game. Some of us have been brought up in religion where church was something, it was a side issue. Church is something we, we just, you know, it, it was just kind of a little part of our life. But I'm telling you, this kingdom of God thing is real. Apostles are real. Prophets are real. Visions are real. Dreams are real. God's supernatural power, it is real. Learn to walk with God. Think, 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 and see it come to pass. Praise the Lord. Bishop Tudemar walked into a foreign country. He, made a, he laid down an ultimatum. This is a powerful apostle of God. He laid down an ultimatum. He said, all the witch doctors, in three weeks, either you repent or you die. Three weeks, you repent or you die. He said, you, here's what he said. He said, you can't talk like that unless you're in that dimension. 
There's different ranks in the kingdom of God. Listen, listen. Different ranks in the kingdom. Moses was greater than a prophet. As you mature, you walk in a dimension. You see things. No, not just anybody can talk like that. Three weeks, you die. Witch doctors, if you don't repent. He said, the three weeks came, and they went, and he said, a witch doctor, the head witch doctor, walked in there and repented and got right with God. And while he was preaching about all of that, he talked about the, the demonic powers that were rising up against that man in that particular part of the world. And that man didn't understand what he was going through. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, when you went to Taiwan, he said, you thought it was the schedule. You thought it was jet lag. You thought it was all of that that was your problem. He said, but I'm telling you right now, what you came against was a, 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 a spirit that's in that country that's been there for centuries. That spirit... That spirit was rising against you and Brother Edmonds. That spirit was coming against you. I'm going to tell you right now, if Jesus doesn't come back, I believe, I told Brother Edmonds, I said, I didn't even want to go when I went, and I didn't want to go back when I got back here. I said, but I believe because God showed me some things. I'm going back to Taiwan, and when I go back to Taiwan, it's not going to be like it was when I went that time. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to say anything else, but God has already given me the plan. And Brother Edmonds, dignity, dignity will be among us tonight. Dignity will be among us tonight. Dignity will attend church with us tonight. He is the apostle to Taiwan. He will attend service with us tonight. And I'm going to preach, but his dignity will be here tonight. Dress like you are in the presence of dignity tonight. Look at that sister back there wearing a Taiwan Taiwan Royal Apparel right there. My wife's wearing Taiwan Royal Apparel. My little girl's wearing Taiwan Royal Apparel because dignity's coming to the house tonight. And I'm not going to tell you everything. I'm not going to tell you everything God's telling me about the plan. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe it could take place tonight that you will know what the plan of God is. When <laughs> and when I go the next time, now I'm not, uh, y'all are wonderful, but I can't take you the next time. Understand that I can't take you the next time. Because when I go the next time, it's going to be totally different. I'm not going there to eat. I'm not going there to drink. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray until the prince of that city comes down. But it's all, it's all in the hands of the said apostle of that nation, not in my hands. I just feel it stirring in my spirit. Hello! God is good! Give God a hand clap of praise. See, we go into a foreign country. We have no idea the warfare that's coming against us. We don't understand. We're acting out of character. We're strange. You know why? Because there's heavy, heavy warfare involved. Listen. Don't try to fulfill the mission of a man without his mantle. If you don't have the mantle of the man, you try to fulfill his mission, you will be destroyed. You have to have the mantle of the man to fulfill the mission of the man. Give God praise. Praise.
Well, I want to do and I want to be. If you don't have their mantle, you'll be destroyed. You try to fulfill their mission. You've got to have both. You've got to have a vision for the mission. And you've got to have the mantle of power to see it come to pass, brother. See, I'm trying to tell you, when it comes to the cross and salvation, everybody's on the same level. But when it comes into the rankings and moves and offices of God, everybody's not at the same level. There's seven kinds of anointing. Number one, the anointing that drew you into the kingdom. Nobody could come to the Father except the Spirit draw them. Number two, there is an anointing for tribulation. Brother, I feel the Holy Ghost. There's anointing for tribulation. David was anointed to go through tribulation. He was anointed to go through the suffering. If you don't go through tribulation, you can never be useful in the kingdom of God. Men that are with Bishop Wagner right now, they're called elders, they're assistant pastors. They've been with him for 35 years. There were, he said when he first started the church, there were many of those men who thought they were called to go somewhere else and preach. And so he took young men, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, and put himself into them. And now they are his assistant pastors. They've been with him for 35 years. Which means they had to endure and go through times of, of suffering and th times of graduation and times of preparation and times of process. You don't start at the top. You don't start at the top. Some people don't even want to do what they need to do to even start where they need to start. You can't start at the top. You got to start at the bottom and you got to gradually, progressively move into the prophetic apostolic power of the kingdom. I'm trying to help you right now. And another thing you need to understand is that if we put you in a certain position or you're doing something in the kingdom, remember it's for time. It is not for eternity. You might be doing it today. You might not be doing it tomorrow. It is for time. What I'm doing behind this pulpit is not forever. It's for time. Remember that. If you don't understand that, then you think you own it. You don't own it. You think you own it, and then you think you own me. But I'm here to tell you right now that if you put somewhere, it's only for time. Understand that right now. Woo. There were people that walked with Israel that got them to the promised land. And there was another one that took over after they got to the Jordan River. Moses got them to the river. Come on. Moses got them to the river. Joshua took them further into the promised land. You might get us to a certain point and then pass the baton to somebody else and say, take us further. That person takes the baton for time. For time. And then after a while, hands it to somebody else. I got them this far. You're going somewhere else. Of course, that's under the, 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 the control of the pastor. You understand what I'm telling you? But you have to understand your place. You have to understand what this is all about in the kingdom of God. You will go through suffering. Amen. He drew you by his spirit. You have to go through suffering. 
You have to go through what David went through, tribulation. But God can anoint you in that time of suffering. God can anoint God can anoint you. Don't give up when you're suffering. Keep on going. Keep on going. You know what's happening? He is teaching you. You're going to progressively graduate. So there's that second anointing. is to anoint you to get you through the suffering. Because he wants to take you to a higher level. And come on. And then a higher stage. And then a higher dimension. Give God praise. Give God praise. We cannot be envious of one another. Pass the baton. There's an anointing for suffering. Look at your neighbor and say, you'll never be useful to God if you don't make it through the suffering. If you quit, you'll never graduate. Say, there's an anointing for my pain. There's anointing for my suffering. I haven't understood everything I've gone through. I don't even know how I got here. But I know one thing. God was in it all the time. I said, and so it was painful when we went to Taiwan. But now I understand I got to go through it. You've got to go through what you got to go through to be useful in the kingdom of God. Number three. Woo, I'm feeling all right. <coughs> authority. Go to, go to this. Authority. Authority. Hallelujah. Don't sit down. I mean, get your word, get your word, bring it back up here. Get your word, bring it back up here. Then the third one, the third anointing is the, uh, the anointing in authority. Say anointing in authority. Matthew 28. Here's what the Lord said here. He says, Matthew 28. Wow. Verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, say with me, in the name. What's the name? Jesus, Jesus of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and Lord, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth, or the ends of the age, or the consummation of the age. Now here's the point. There is anointing in authority. Hello. Are you here? Authority gives you the right to use the power. Not everybody has the same level of authority. Authority gives you right to use the power. Come on. You understand? Look at your say, I'm a king. Because I'm a king, I have rights. I have God-given rights. Authority, authority, authority. See, the church has to exercise authority. The world wants, listen, the religious system wants the world. That's why the church, you, have to rise up in kingdom authority. So that we can bring in the harvest. Say authority. 
I got the authority of heaven behind me right now. I stand before you right now, not just as a man. I stand before you with all. I've got heaven's authority behind me. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. That's dunamis. This word here, power, is exousia, means authority. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. That's dunamis. That's dynamic ability. It's supernatural strength. It's supernatural power. It's like when God takes... When he takes somebody skinny like me and turns them into the Hulk. You get the point, don't you? It's a transformation in power. It's when he takes somebody like you and you feel so weak and so puny and God turns you into the incredible Hulk. It's supernatural. Dunamis. Dynamic power it's demonstrative it is demonstrated it is not quiet it is not passive it is passionate it is explosive that's the word that's using acts one and eight right so i got the authority of god behind me i got the dynamic power of god in me look at your neighbor and say i got the authority of god behind me of heaven and earth I've got dynamite inside of me you better get away from me right now because when I go off body parts are going to fly oh God is in this house I got authority behind me. I've got exousia behind me. I've got dynamite or dynamite in me. And I've got God's purpose and plan in front of me. I got everything I need. You've got everything you need. Look at your neighbor and say, passion, progressive, prophetic, Apostolic power. Give God praise. Got all the heaven behind me. Got dynamite inside of me. Got the purpose of God in front of me. One of the bishops, I like one of the bishops said this. He said, you know, we call ourselves apostolic. And he said, people walk in, there's no apostolic power there. He said, they ought to put you in jail for false advertisements. Look, turn around and look at your name and say, I'm an apostolic. Apostolic. I have progressive, prophetic, apostolic power, which means authority behind me, dynamite in me, and the plan in front of me. Don't put me in jail for lying.
Give God some praise. And number four, the fourth level of anointing is the gifts of the Spirit. It is an anointing for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in you. Say, kingdom power. The gifts of the Spirit are kingdom power. So we've got the third level is authority. And the fourth level is the power that performs what you, God has given you the ability to do. God gave you the ability to use his power. You've got to have authority to have power. Give God praise. How many of y'all got the power of the kingdom in you? And the fifth level is the level of preaching. Say preaching. There is an anointing for preaching. Say preaching. Give God some praise. That's what I'm endeavoring to do. Preaching. There is an anointing for preaching. Ezekiel was anointed to preach. He, was, he went and there were scorpions all around him. There were serpents all around him. When he started preaching, they got mad. They wanted to kill him, man. You could just see in their eyeballs. They were like vipers. Wanted to sting him. Wanted to strike him. Wanted to hit him, you know. God said, you're going to go among serpents. He said, you're going to go among scorpions. When you preach, they're going to try to strike you down. But he said, I've anointed you to preach. My hand was heavy upon you, Ezekiel. So even if they don't hear it, still preach it. Even if they don't hear it, still proclaim it. Even if they resist it, still declare it. Even if they don't agree with it, still say, thus say it. God. Even when they don't understand. <laughs> God's in this place. Number five. Anointed for preaching. That's why, brother, up here the other night, Sunday night, brother, brother, I know your name. I'm just debating as to whether or not I want to call your name. Suffolk Bishop Jonathan Limits. Not, 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 not yet. You don't have it yet. You don't have that position yet. Hallelujah. But you got the anointing to get there. Praise God. That's why before he was, he was really worried, right? a little scared. And I told him that's a good thing. I said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I, tell you, I said, you know what? Paul said this. I come to you with fear and in trembling. I said, you've got to have that. But you know what? When he stood up here, all of a sudden something came on him called the fifth level of anointing. It was the anointing to preach and proclaim. Brother. The brother preached. I said the brother preached. If you weren't here, you missed your life. (laughs) You missed your life. Hallelujah. I love it. He said this. I love what he said. He's worse than I am. I told you before he stood in the pulpit, he's radical. I had never heard him preach, but the Holy Ghost told me he's radical. (laughs) He's worse than I am. He stood up there and he said, turn in your Bibles. And all of a sudden, y'all got quiet as you were flipping the pages. He said, now, 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 don't get quiet when you're turning them pages. (laughs) 
I thought to myself, I'm not even that radical. I won't even let them turn their pages without shouting. <laughs> now, 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 now. I always like I preach like you, brother. No, 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 no. You know, like they preach now. No, 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 no. No, don't turn that. Don't go get quiet on me while you're turning them pages. I mean, he don't just preach the word when he reads the scripture. He says, not Matthew 28, 19. He says, Matthew 28, 19. So there is anointing to preach. And then number six, there is anointing. The sixth level of anointing is the anointing over nations. God just doesn't anoint you just to preach in one house. He anoints you to preach to nations. There's levels of rankings in the kingdom of God. And the seventh level of anointing is the anointing to raise the dead. Give God praise. Raise the dead. And I'm not just talking about the person that's sleeping next to you right now. Lord, if I don't have enough anointing to get you out of your pew, how do I think I could ever preach to nations if I can't even preach to my own house? Glory to God. How many of y'all love the Lord? Now let's look at these levels. Let's look at these ranks. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 9. And now y'all are not getting tired on me, are you yet? Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Finish the job. Tell me, Brother Jonathan, preach to me. Finish the job, Pastor. Finish what you started. It is finished, finished, finished what you started. Don't just start and quit. Finish what you started. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1. Watch this. Look at the ranks. I'm showing you rankings. Say progressive. Progressive. Say passion. Passionate. Progressive. Prophetic. Apostolic. Power. The word, the key word is progressive, right? 1 Corinthians 9, 1. Here's what Paul said, the apostle. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen? I've had a vision of Jesus. Jesus Christ our Lord. Are not ye my work? Say with me, in the Lord. Where do we find all of these things? In the Lord. Say, in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I use the word Holy Ghost, not Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit's okay. But let me explain to you why I use the term Holy Ghost. Because Holy Ghost means this. It's the Spirit, the same Spirit of the one who had been here before. It's not the third person in the Trinity. It's the same Spirit of Jesus. That's why it's called Ghost. It's the Spirit of Jesus. It's not the second person or the third person. It's the same Spirit that was in Jesus. That's why they call it Holy Ghost. 
The Holy Ghost is poured out on the day of Pentecost. It's the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ. It's not the third person. It is the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of God. Do you understand? Whew, wow. Say verse 2. If I be not an apostle. You don't have to say it. That's okay. If I be not an apostle unto others. Look at this. Yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. There's different levels of apostleship. There are men who are apostles over their wife and children. Who are you? I'm an apostle. Who are you apostle over? My kids. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My wife, my kids. I'm sent to them. Don't be afraid, brother. It's all right. Just stand right there. Then there are, listen, apostles over your house, apostles over a local church. Hello. That's what Paul's talking about right here. He said, I might not be an apostle to anybody else, but I am an apostle to you. The seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. So the sick man in the church is the apostle in that house. He might not be an apostle anywhere else, but he is an apostle in that local house. Okay. I sat under apostles that were apostles over nations. God's good. Give God some praise. You have an apostle. The set man in the house. Now, let me show you this. Let me show you ranking. Let's go over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Y'all aren't getting tired on me, are you? Oh, hallelujah. Please don't get tired on me yet. Because if you do, you're telling me when to stop. <laughs> okay, 2 Corinthians 11. Are y'all there? Say verse 5. For I suppose I was not a wit behind the very chiefest apostles. There are ranks in apostleship. He said, I am among the chiefest of the apostles. Are you hearing me? He don't say, I'm a baby apostle. He don't say, I'm an intermediate apostle. He said, I'm among the chief. I'm not talking about myself. No, 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 no. I sat under men like that when I went to that conference. I'm not talking to myself, about myself. I, I'm talking to you. I'm trying to show you rank in apostleship. Very, very powerful headship giftings. You don't move into headship giftings overnight. So you, you're an apostle over a house. Then you're an apostle over, you're like a chief apostle. You're over nations. You understand what I'm telling you here? All right, so he said that. Say chiefest apostles. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15. Back up there. I'm trying to show you rank here. Progressive. Say progressive. That's why if, if God's got his hand on you and you're a prophet, you might not even know you're a prophet or an apostle or whatever. You might not even know that at the first you're, you're a baby. And so you're going to make mistakes at the first. Don't quit when you make a mistake. Don't let the devil tell you you're not for real. You're just a baby. You're just a baby. You've got to learn to graduate. You've got to go and learn to progress in prophetic apostolic power. Hello, y'all all right? 1 Corinthians 15. Hello. Come on. Y'all know me well enough. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to say a thing. If the power of God is in this house and the word is going forth, you have lost all track of time anyway. Bishop preached till, uh, we didn't even get out of there till after about 12 o'clock. 
that one night he preached for hours. I didn't even know how it was past 10. First Corinthians 15, verse 9. Now watch this. One place he said, I'm among the, among the chiefest of apostles. And then he says in verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now look at that. Is he a true apostle? Well, he started out persecuting the church. But he matured. He, I said he matured. Say he matured. Give God some praise. By the time you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 5, he then can then say he is the, to with the chief of the apostles. That he's among the chiefest of the apostles. 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I'm not even a, what did he call an apostle? But in 2 Corinthians, he said, I'm among the chiefest of the There is progression. Progression in the kingdom of God. Peter takes a knife and he cuts the ear off of a man. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Watch this. What y'all doing okay out there? Y'all love the Lord right now? <laughs> Do you understand rank? There are ranks. This is something that's just brand new revelation to me. Brand new revelation to me. And I got it by observation. Because I noticed this great, powerful, powerful apostolic anointing that were on those men. I'm thinking, my. There has got to be ranks in apostleship. I told Brother Daniel when I was driving, I said, there are ranks, there are levels. Not, just because you're an apostle, you haven't reached the top yet. You start out maybe as a baby and you graduate and mature in that gifting and call of God. And then when I got home, my office, God sat down. He told me, he said, you go to there and you read this scripture, this scripture, this scripture. And you put it together. Hallelujah. And everything, oh yeah, everything you learned, everything you know. Every, do you understand rankings? Don't quit. Y'all all right? Okay, what, how long is the duration? How long does that bishopric or that, how long does it last? Watch this. It lasts, it, it goes on for the duration, which means this. If I die, that hand of God, that spirit that was on me, continues to exist which means there is a successor that comes in in that same type of anointing and moves on it doesn't die with the man i said it doesn't die with the man when brother dies when brother dies passed away there was a successor there was a man that the mantle of, that was on brother dies was laid upon it is successive. If demon spirits are eternal, so is the. <laughs> Let's go to Acts. I so say, you see rank, right? Well, uh, uh, hallelujah. Acts one twenty. Are you there? Acts one twenty. For it is written in the book of Psalms. Let his habitation say habitation. <laughs> Habitation. Oh, watch this. Now, we, I did, learn, we did learn this in the conference, that there are, oh, yeah. There are seven levels. There are seven stages. There are seven dimensions, and seven dimensions produce habitation. You have to go through seven levels, and then through seven stages, and then through seven dimensions to get to habitation. Now, I say that, I, I say that 
because I want you to see what it says here. It says here, because just like there's seven, I just shared with you seven anointings, seven levels of anointing. Okay. Watch this. For it is written in the book of the Psalms that his habitation. Come on, you. Do you understand what I'm telling you? But there was a successor, somebody. This office didn't die with the man. There was a successor. Now, watch this. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to turn there. But 2 Kings chapter 2, the Bible talks about. Come on. There was a prophecy about Elijah. Elisha, your father is going to be taken from you this day watch hello but what about his mantle what about his apostleship what about his prophetic ministry what about his mantle who's going to get that if he's taken from us are you here there must be a successor now watch this. You've got, the Bible talks about the sons of the prophet standing from off, afar off. But you've got a man who walked with Elijah who was Elijah's servant. Elisha was Elijah's servant. He washed Elijah's hands. He ministered to Elijah's needs. He was Elijah's servant. So you got one group of people. You got the sons of the prophets over here. The Bible talks about it in Kings 2. And then you've got a man, Elisha, who walked with Elijah. Come on. And he now knows that Elijah is going to be taken up. But there has to be a successor. So Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Now watch this. Elijah's putting him to the test, though. Elijah says, why don't you stay here? I'm going to go over here. Why don't you stay here? I'm going to go over there. Why don't you stay here? I'm going to go over there. Elisha says, you can't get rid of me. Because I'm after what you've got. I'm after your spirit. He didn't say, I'm after the spirit of God that's in you. He said, I'm after your spirit. The only way I can get your spirit is if I walk with you. If I, I have to sow into that anointing in order to participate in it, I can't just show up. I can't just stand, listen to me. I can't just stand from a distance and see the prophet, see the anointing, and say, I would like to have that and get it. You've got to be there with the prophet. You've got to walk with the prophet. You've got to minister to it. You've got to sow into the anointing with your life. And that gives you the right to be blessed by that anointing. That gives you the right to participate in that anointing. So if you call me, you're sick. You've got a right to call me if you're sick. Because you have planted into this anointing. Come on. And because you sowed into this anointing, now you can participate in it. You get the point? That's why I said I can't go anywhere. I've got to stay right with you. I've got to serve you to participate in this anointing. 
I see the signs of the prophets. I see them over there. But I want your mantle. I want to be your successor. I know that this office doesn't stop when you're taken. It goes on. So, so, and he wasn't being disrespectful to Elijah. He recognized. Here's the difference. Elisha recognized that it was a test. He knew the difference between. He knew what Elijah was doing. He wasn't disobeying the command of the man of God. He could see what was in the man of God's eyes. Go over there. I'm going to go over here. You see what I'm saying? No, 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 no. Uh, 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 Elijah, um, uh, you can't get rid of me that easy. What I'm trying to tell you is the man of God tried to send him away. But he was so right in order. He was so perfect in order and understood headship so powerfully that even when that headship suggested to him to separate himself from that headship, he said, I can't separate from the headship because I want what the headship's got. Now, if you need to go home, go home, but I'm not through preaching yet. If you need to go to sleep, go to sleep, but I'm not through preaching yet. He said, I want what you've got. I, I, I would rather not take your suggestion. Thank you, sir. Thank you kindly, sir. Oh, yeah. See, and I know the difference between a suggestion and a commandment. So anyway, I want your mantle. See, Elijah, Elijah says to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. Read it. It doesn't say I want a double portion of God's spirit. It says I want a double portion of your spirit. And so Elijah looks at Elijah and said, if you see me when I go up and I'm taken up from here, if you see me, <laughs> yeah. But before that, he said this, you've asked a hard thing. Are you willing to suffer the way I suffered? Are you willing to walk in loneliness? Are you willing to fight devils like I fight devils? It's a lonely place. It's a lonely place. Okay, but if you see me when I go up, okay, praise God. <laughs> Which literally means if you see eye to eye with me. He said, I want your spirit. Get the point here. I want to be your successor. So Elijah's taken up in a whirlwind. Woo! The chariot of the Lord. That prophet was God's man to protect Israel against the enemy. Come on, somebody. So anyway, he's taken up. And here comes the mantle. Say the mantle. Of authority and power. But he didn't. Listen. Look at the progression. Watch. God's trying to show us something here. Look at the progression. He had to walk. He had to go with him to Jordan. He had to go with him to Bethel. He had to keep progressively moving. He had to keep. Come on. There is a line. That's what the Bible's trying to show you. You don't just get to the head. You've got to graduate. You've got to keep walking, 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 moving until finally you get it. So the mantle comes down. He goes over there and he picks it up. And the sons of the prophets are still standing back there waving at him. Why didn't I get that? Because you didn't. Walk with that. You didn't sow into that. 
So you have no part in that spirit. It's his, Elijah's spirit. Picks up the mantle, same mantle, which is authority and spirit. He walks over there to the Jordan. He smites him. He says this, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Splits it, opens it, walks across. You with me here? Hello, somebody. Give God some praise. So now he's got the mantle. Now watch this. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was poured out. And when the Holy Ghost was poured out, that was the mantle that came flowing down unto you. You've got the authority. You've got the power. The authority is in his name, and the power is in his spirit, and it came to you on Pentecost. Now watch. It came to you on Pentecost. But here's the thing. It does not mature into, come on, that ultimate headship gifting until you learn to progressively walk and sow into other, come on, anointing. Praise God. And when you do, then you can participate in that. Give God some praise. The mantle was there the whole time. Elijah had the mantle the whole time, but Elisha didn't have it. Elijah had the mantle the whole time. The sons of prophets didn't have it. They were anointed, but they were naked. Anointed, but naked. They didn't have the covering. Elisha had the covering, and the covering was Elijah. He, he understood father-son relationship. You've got to have a father-son relationship. And I'm not talking about gender. You've got to have your anointed, but are you covered? The sons of the prophet were anointed, but they were naked. Elijah and Elisha walked together. Elisha was covered in headship. So that's what qualified him to get the mantle. You're anointed by the Holy Ghost. You've been called by the name of Jesus. But do you walk in submission? Obedience is not submission. Obedience, you do it even if you don't like it. I'm going to do it, but I don't like it. That's obedience. But submission is attitude. It's the way you obey. It's the spirit in which you obey. You can obey with an attitude. I'll do what the pastor says, or I'll do what my boss and gripe about it the whole time. That's obedience, but that's not submission. Submission is your attitude in that obedience. Are you with me here? And it is Elisha who walked in submission, not just obedience, that got the mantle. Because he walked under a covering. I don't want to be anoint, anointed, but naked. Hello, somebody. Give God some praise. And the only way to do that is to walk progressively and participate in and sow into the power of the prophet, the power of the apostle. And in doing so, you'll also walk in his spirit. That's why I noticed some people that work very closely to Bishop Wagner, they, they walk like him. They talk like him. They act like him. Some of them start to look like him because they're becoming what they are participating in. They have sown into that. They walk under that. So now that's what they are becoming. They have that same type of spirit. And it's not just the spirit of God. It's the spirit of their bishop. 
Look at everyone and say passion. Progressive. Prophetic. Apostolic. Power. Say it don't come overnight. I'm not the great chief apostle overnight. I'm anointed, but I've got to, I've got to walk. I've got to walk progressively. Wow, praise the Lord. God's good. See, God sent us, me and him, to go to that conference so that we could participate in a national, a, a national apostolic type of anointing. If, we, if I wouldn't have went, I could not participate in that kind of move without first having come up underneath it somehow. Whoosh. Whoosh. My point is this, is that his office, that prophetic office, had a successor. And his name was Elisha. It did not die with the man. Of course, he didn't die. He was taken up into another dimension. So he just went on into another dimension. He got swallowed up right in the very presence of God Almighty himself. Where that which is in part had been completely done away with. He had moved a level of perfection. It's not, what I'm trying to get across to you is not just him being raptured out. What I'm trying to get across to you is his movement. That even Elijah, Brother Mark, he moved progressively into a place of absolute perfection. Where that which was in part was done away with completely. And that's what God wants to do to you in the kingdom. He wants to bring you to a place of perfection. To where that, that which is in part is done away with. <laughs> Give God praise. Are y'all going to survive? <laughs> okay, watch this, watch this. Say progression. Say progressive, prophetic, apostolic, power. You graduate, you progress in this. Ranks come from God, but you move up in rank. Levels, seven levels in one stage, seven stages in one dimension, in seven dimensions in one headship. We learned this. I'll tell you this one thing we learned. Seven praises equal a worship. Seven anointings equal. Seven anointings equal one habitation. You with me here? Are you here with me? God doesn't want to just visit you, He wants to inhabit you. Make a habitation. My point is this there's progression. That's my point. I'm going to show you. I plan on showing you Bishop Tudor Bismarck's message on that. So don't freak out. Oh, what do you want? What you would hurt you? Hey, we'll be here all day. All right, all right. Isn't God awesome? The point is, there's progression. Now, hallelujah. Watch this. There's even progression in Acts one and eight. Don't give up. 
say, man, I'm on my fifth praise. It's been so hard. I've been coming to church, barely been making, barely getting out of bed. And I come here and I offer a sacrifice of praise. And I, this is the fifth week I've been doing it. And I haven't had my breakthrough yet. But tonight's number, no, this morning's number six. Oh, yes, tonight is number seven. And if I can just praise him seven times, it'll turn into a worship pop. That's why David, the Bible says, he took six paces with the ark, and on the seventh one, he danced. See, it's not just showing up in church. I'm ready for the headship. I'm ready to be the cheapest among men. You have not gone through the progression. You haven't gone through progression. Say progression. Now, here's one thing I did learn there, though, that worship... <laughs> Worship is the one thing that allows you to bypass all of the progression. If you can learn to just work, not just praise Him, but learn to worship Him, then it, it bypasses all the other levels and steps. That's why you need to be a worshiper. That's right. You see all the, what, 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 hold on, hold on. You see all these wackos standing up here? You see these wackos? You see them? You see them? Y'all you turn around. Turn around. Look at all those wackos back there. You see them? Look at that wacko back there. Look at them. My whole point is that our church has been moving in things. We didn't even know why we were moving in them. You're demonstrative. You're praise. You're worship. You're willing to get out of that pew. You're willing to run around the church. You're willing to, willing to dance. We've been doing it. Didn't even really know why we were doing it. We just knew God told us to do it. And God sent me there to show me, you know, that what we're doing is right and to confirm many things and then to tell me, this is the reason why I've been telling you to do that. I'm telling you, we got in the middle of, a, of, a, of a, a, a segment of seats with some worshipers. We went down and sat down. They looked at Brother Daniel and said, are y'all worshipers? If y'all not worshipers, we don't want you here. And we looked at them. We said, yeah, we worshipers. Brother Daniel, here's what Brother Daniel said. He said, if I give you an elbow and knock you out, I'm a worshiper. <laughs> Now watch this. And they had to start moving. Hallelujah. There wasn't, you couldn't even hardly move in the building. You couldn't get in the aisle. Now you had to move right where you were. And so our aisle started dancing. And it started. And they had moved to the end of the aisle like this. You know, you know, you know how they dance. They know how to do it. I'm talking about those, those, those men and women of color. Hallelujah. I, saw, I look at it, I say, I might not have your skin color, but that's you your spirit. And somehow, I got in the middle of the row. So I got real confused. Because this side of me was going. And the other side of me was going. 
So I didn't know what to do. I, one leg wanted to go that way, they wanted to go that way. But I guarantee you it wasn't dead pew setting stuff. So I threw up my hands and I just went with them. Brother, brother, brother Daniel, he was already in it with him, man. You know, he, he, could, he could dance pretty good. And after, after we were praising God for a little while, he told me afterwards, I didn't know this. He said, the people that told us, if you're not a worshiper, we don't need you here, said, you passed. <laughs> he said, y'all passed. Hello. Yeah. I'm telling you, when the choir sings, they had a choir up there. They sang with they had so much power. They sang with everything that was in them. Now listen to me. Have you ever seen somebody sing with so much power that their mouth goes? Yeah. Ah, ah, I can't do it. I just their mouths were like I can't. Anointed, powerful flow. Not worried about, you know, hitting every key just right. Let's sound like angels. Sound like trumpets. Woo. We had church. So, you know. When you feel like, you know, intimidated about worship, praising, doing all that stuff, there's a reason. Seven praises equal to worship. Hallelujah. There's progression in God. Now, let's close with this. Acts 1 and 8. I'm close. 1 and 8. But ye shall, say ye shall, receive a mantle. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Look at the progression. Jerusalem is the place of your failure. <laughs> God told his disciples, Jesus said, you go in Jerusalem until, and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. He told them to go back to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was where they failed him. That's where they denied him. And before you can go on progressively in prophetic apostolic power, you've got to go back to where you failed, and you've got to overcome that where you failed. You can't go to Judea if you don't have the victory over Jerusalem. You've got to go back to Jerusalem, get the victory over your failure there. You with me here? That's where they denied him. And that's exactly where he sent them back to. 
He said, you can't preach to the uttermost until you start in Jerusalem. You can't go to the ultimate until you take care of some things first. You got to go back to where you failed and conquer that place. You got to go to Jerusalem. You got to go to Jerusalem. Every one of us have our own personal Jerusalems. We've got to go back to that place and conquer that. You got to start there. And when you get the victory over where you fell, then he says, go to Judea. And Judea is the place of barrenness. You look it up. You look it up in the uh, encyclopedia. Uh, Zondervan's pictorial encyclopedia of the scripture. And it will tell you the geography of Judea. Judea is a place of barrenness. Say barrenness. There are places that are extremely dry and barren and rocky. But you can't graduate. You can't take step two. And start ministering in a rocking, barren, barren, dry place without first going to the place of your failure and the conquering that. When you conquer the place of your failure, then now you're ready to minister in the rocky, dry, barren place. There is progression. And then the third one is Samaria. Samaria. Listen, Samaria. We don't want to go to Samaria because they're different. They're different. We're better than they are. So I can't go to that one. I, come on, I can't go to Samaria because we're better than the Samaritans. Yeah, now, come on, they're Samaritans. They're different. I learned, if I learned one thing in this conference, God uses difference to bless us. He uses difference to bless us. I'm not saying we're going to go back. I'm telling you this, though, that God will take the ark of his glory and put it in any place that wants order. He'll take it and put it in a Hittite's house. His ark entered up in a Hittite's house. He entered, come on, in a... Obed-Edom was a Hittite. God's glory. If you don't, come on. He is using other people. that are, They're different from us. They don't look the same as we do. I'm not backing up. I'm just telling you. You're looking at a man that has to wrestle with that. But they're different. Watch. Watch. Bishop had people singing. He, you're going to hear a man. I'm going to let you watch the video of a man. I don't even think I'm going to tell you what his background is. And when he gets through preaching, you're going to think that you heard from the greatest apostolic apostle that you've ever heard preach in your life. And then I'll tell you what his background is and watch your mouth go, Really? Because if you don't want it, God's got somebody that will take your place. And it, they, they may be different, but that's the place of ministry. In fact, that particular man, because I went there and I needed something from God. And I went there and that particular man connected with me. 
When he started preaching, he preached a certain thing, and, and the word came to me. And when the word came to me, I stood upon my feet, and we saw eye to eye. I looked him in the eyeballs. He looked me in the eyeballs, and there was a connection that was made. And from that time forward, you talk about preach. He preached like the wind. I went down to my knees, speaking in tongues, tears running down my face, because God healed me. I'm not talking about I was physically sick. God healed me in my spirit. God healed me in my mentality. God healed me in my understanding. God healed me in my emotions. And I'm not even going to tell you what his background is. When, he gets to, when you hear him preach, then I'll tell you. And you're going to say, really? Yes. In fact, in fact. In fact, this man, what's so wild, is not too long ago, I stood behind this pulpit, and I told you about a man that I heard preach at a conference. On, I saw it on television, and I told you when I came here, I said, he, he wasn't a part of any, you know, particular. He was of another group. Let me put it that way. And I told you that he preached better than most apostolic preachers preached. And would you believe when I get there, I'd already told you about it, when I get there, he's, he's on the bill to preach. He's on the schedule to preach. I go, ah! <laughs> and he stood up and did he preach. He took me to my knees in praise and worship and crying and healing. Oh, Yeah. Go to Jerusalem, the place of your defeat. Then go to the rock and very dry place of Judea. Then go to Samaria where they are different from you and preach the message. Most of us though, well, no, they don't look like we do. So how can I go preach there? Hello? Hello? God has spoken to me about having certain people stand behind this pulpit and speak to you. I didn't ask him to say, where's your, where's your organizational credentials? <laughs> no, God told me to have you come. I don't question God. I do what God tells me to do. And I know that I'm going to suffer heat in the form of opinions. And I still have them come. And what's so awesome is I get to sit down and I get to talk to them one-on-one -on -one basis and talk to them about the oneness of God in Jesus' name, baptism. And, and some people you didn't even think were filled with the Spirit. Some people you didn't think were baptized in Jesus' name were baptized in Jesus' name. Messianic Jew baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I got to sit down and talk to him about the oneness of God. But they're different, so you know, yeah. Even had a woman come stand behind the pulpit. Never seen her a day in my life. God said, have her come. Had her come. Had her come. Because God told me to have her come. And before it was all over, they got to experience the, the anointing. I'm not saying they don't have anything. I'm just telling you that they stood right there and the power of God fell right there on that platform. And they experienced the power of God in this house. I guarantee you. I got a call. I got a call from them. Just They got a national ministry. I got a call from them just the other day. They wanted to come back. They've been all over the nation.
Look at your neighbor say Samaria. Samaria. Oh, that, that's their difference there. Their religion. Oh, I say I wish I had time. <laughs> you know, their religion is really, really close to the Jewish way. I'm talking about the Samaritans. Hello? A Samaritan woman said, which mountain do we worship? I mean, where, where do we worship God at? Do we worship him in Mount Gerizim? Or do we worship him over here in Mount, uh, where, where the temple is? Where do we worship? That was the question of the Samaritan. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> worship is of the Jews. Jesus said, they have the monotheistic faith. They know. They can tell you it's the oneness of God. They that worship me must worship God, must worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not this place or that place. It's worshiping me in spirit and in truth. And if you'll worship him in spirit and in truth, he'll show up. You're a Samaritan. I know you are. But if you worship me in spirit and in truth, that's what Jesus is saying. Even though you're different, I'll still come to you. And to be a true worshiper is worshiper in truth. You've got to know what that, their doc, the truth is, the monotheistic faith. Yes. Give God some praise. But you can't, you can't go to number two if you don't do number one, Jerusalem, the place of your failure. And number two, the place of rockiness and barrenness and dryness. And then you go to the third step progressively. And then you go to Samaria. You can't do Samaria if you don't first do Jerusalem. If you first, and then you don't secondarily do Judea. You can't be used. That's why I'm telling you that men's giftings and calls are different. They reach beyond lines. They are men of God reached up. To reach beyond those lines. Now, okay, here we go. And there's some people that never, get, never go to Samaria. They'll never go to Samaria because they're caught up. They're hung, they're hung up in differences. Hello? I don't have any problem. If they let me, if the Catholic Church invites me to preach their sister, I have no problem. I, I would walk in that Catholic Church and I would preach to them just like I preach here. I have no problem going into a Baptist church if they open their doors and preaching to those Baptist folk. I have no problem. See, what we fail to understand sometimes is we don't recognize the anointing that God might have on a particular. We're, just, we're so caught up in their difference that we can't see anointing. I'm saying we. I'm saying me. In fact, I want to tell you something. I'd rather go to some of their conferences than I would uh, some of these so-called organizational conferences any day of my life. If God sends me, I'll go. That doesn't mean that every time I get a call, I'm going to say yes. It had to be God. Are you getting this? I said, are you getting this? Why y'all look at me like that? You know one reason why I went to this conference? Because they were not hung up on 
organization, whatever how you want to say it. Organization. They're, they have the order of God. They have kingdom order. But they're not hung up on organization. It's organization. God just gave me a new word. Organization. Bishop said Pentecost, the power of Pentecost is not based on a denomination or an organization. He's right. I've been telling you that. And I've been to those organizational. And I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just telling you that when they get up there, they want to focus on organization. That's when I walk out. I'm sorry if I'm shocking you. I want to tell you something, precious. <laughs> that some of the preachers that you see, and I don't agree with everything that goes on in TBN. You know that. But some of the preachers that you see standing in those pulpits preaching are oneness, Jesus' name, powerful apostolic ministers. You don't know that. They are prophets. They are apostles of God's kingdom. But they have to walk in wisdom or they'll lose their platform. What would you rather do, walk in wisdom or get up there and just shoot off the mouth and, and lose your uh, uh, ability to stand on that platform and lose all those people that would have come into your house if you just used wisdom? Come on, church. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's progressively. Oh, yeah. So start at the place of your failure. Conquer that. And then God will use you to minister in the rocky, barren, dry place. And then from there, he'll send you to different people. And then after he sends you to different people, he'll send you to nations. But it is passion, progressive, prophetic, apostolic power. There are ranks, which means you have to be careful about pointing your finger. Because you don't know where God is sending that person. And you don't know the anointing that is on them. You don't know what his sphere of influence is supposed to be. Hello? Hello? Y'all love the Lord? Let's, let's finish this off by looking at Peter. Peter was not, he didn't start at the top. Jesus, like Peter said, you are, well, you're Simon. You're fleshly, shifty. You, you know, sometimes you make mistakes, get over in the flesh. Simon. But you're Peter prophetically. What you will become. I started this out by saying I didn't come here to hear something. I came here to be something. You are Simon. You, I didn't. you are Simon. You are shifty. 
You're uneven. You're out of balance. Fleshly. Hallelujah. Oh, but you're Peter. You're a rock. He reaches up. He grabs a sword. He cuts the ear off of a man. <laughs> I can identify. I've come close to killing people. <laughs> I mean, really, I'll tell you what he was going after. Get over here. Stop backing up on me, boy. He took his knife and he went like that, but he was going for his throat. <laughs> he don't have a head. <laughs> and Jesus said, Simon, <laughs> you've got a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Picks up the guy's ear, says, you're healed. Now, but watch this, watch this. That's in Peter's baby stage. He has not progressed to the ultimate yet. And so what happens is, God heals him, takes care of him. Thank God for God. Thank, thank God. When I cut people's ears off, and their nose, pull their eyes out, plug, you know, break off their teeth. And God says, son, you need some help here. He walks over there and puts their ears back on, puts the teeth back in their mouth, eyes back in their eyeballs, and puts their nose back on their face. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah. Well, y'all, you sanctified people. <laughs> but as you look at Peter, look at his, look at First Peter. He's been preaching about approximately 35 years. He's progressed. He's grown. He's matured. He's preaching at a, in a time of persecution. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he makes reference to Rome, but he uses a cold worm, Babylon. But you will notice how he deals with pressure, how he deals with persecution. In those days, after maturing, he does not, come on, cut ears off. He tells them, look and see how he handles pressure and temptation and persecution. He doesn't condemn Rome. He tells the people how to handle the pressure in the midst of the persecution. He doesn't pick up a sword and cut off the ear of Rome. Do you understand what I'm saying? He handles it completely different. He has matured in God. I want to mature in God. Come on. Progressively. Because if there's no progression, then another thing we learned there is that deep, the deep things of God. What's so awesome? Before we ever went to the conference, God had, had me and Brother Daniel have a devotional in our room. And I turned to the psalm there, and it talks about deep, the deep things. Before we ever went to the conference, we went into that, and we looked at that. And one of the messages was on the deep things of God. So God was already preparing us to go there. But here's the point. Here's one thing he said. He said, the deep, you can't enter into the deep because, listen, if you're not ready for the deep, the pressure of the deep will kill you. 
Because you haven't built yourself up yet. You haven't matured yet. To the point that you can handle the pressure of that ministry. Only those animals that are suited for the deep can handle the pressure of the deep. If you don't have the mantle of the man, you can't fulfill the mission of the man without being destroyed. Because you can't handle the pressure. It'll get to you. So Peter has matured. Now he can handle the pressure. He's got persecution all around him. But look at the way he handles it. Read, read that first Peter and read it 35 years later. The persecution during the times of Nero. The way he handles that. The way he's matured progressively. Has this helped any of y'all? I almost feel like I preached you sober. There are ranks in the kingdom of God. Say with me. Progressive. Progressive. Prophetic. Prophetic. No, no, no. I'm missing my, my key word. Passion. <laughs> I'm preaching on the passion of the early church. This is a demonstration of the passion that I preached on. Passion. Progression. A prophetic and apostolic power. See, now, I, I, we graduated from Judea, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and we went to the most. Watch this. I graduated. I got even some, what do you call them, little words that go in between? Progression of prophetic and apostolic power. Now I've got the ofs and the ands in the right place. God finished the message. <laughs> so don't give up. You have got to conquer things to go on and minister in other areas of your life. It is progressive. There are ranks. Don't quit just because you make one mistake. Man, if I, listen, if I quit because I made a mistake, I'd have quit a long time ago. I don't want to make no mistakes. It can be deadly for you if I make a mistake. Hello? It can. But I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. And I'm going to tell you something now. One thing I learned too is the authority of apostolic power. The authority of apostolic From church to church. Come on, listen. The, the set man in that house over which they were under can bind them or loose them. Which means if they run off and they didn't get. Come on, are you here? They just run off, just run off, just run off. That man... Of that church can call that other church and say, I'm sending my deacons over there right now to pick them up and bring them back. That's right. He said, because whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You have apostolic authority when you're behind that pulpit. And if they run off, you can send your deacons. And you can call that pastor up in that other church and say, I'm sending my deacons right now to come and get them. They are there unlawfully. They are an apostolic, what do you call it? Don't remember. I wish he would listen. 
They were an ap- apostolic vagabond or something like that. They're, no, he said they were an apostolic fugitive. That was the word. They are an apostolic fugitive. I'm trying to demonstrate to you apostolic authority. Pastor, there's a couple of people. There's a family over in your church that left my church, etc., etc. I'm sending my deacons over there to get them now. I bind that situation. They have not been loosed. So whenever you, listen, some people got this idea. They just, just do whatever they want to do. And they think they can go anywhere they want to and have the blessing of God upon them when they get there. And just because they're being used there does not mean that they are in order. Go get them. Bring them back. Now, that's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? It's heavy. It's heavy. That's why if, if a, a set man in a house says no to somebody, and you walk over there and pat him on the back and say, well, you know, I really don't understand. I don't see why they won't let you go, you know, and you side with them, you are out of order. Amen. And you get mad and fired up and angry and all of that at your pasture, but you are out of order. Amen. You don't side with somebody that that pastor said no to. Wow, this is powerful, isn't it? See, I didn't even know some, some of that. All I know is I had a fire rise up in me one night that almost sent me out of this house to another house. So what are you doing in here? What are you doing in here? Listen to me. That's why people want to come here from another place. You're lawful. You're legal, some of you who've come here. You're planted here. Do you know what? I take steps to make sure that the order is not violated. If I don't tell you to, tell, to talk to the pastor that you were under before, I do it. I call him. Because I don't want you to be out of place. Now, it's different if you were in the world, you know, and you weren't in church for, for months or years or whatever, and you're backslidden, you come in here, that's, uh, you know, if God leaves me, I may call that pastor that you were formerly under and say, hey, by the way, you're, this saint that you used to pastor is, is now in our body, and they're doing wonderful, just to let them know that, that they're doing well. Do you see what I'm saying here? My point is, I had somebody not long ago who had been, even been out of church for a few months, called me up and said, I want to go there. I told him, I said, can you talk to your pastor? Well, I can't communicate. Are you here? Well, it's a long story, okay? I don't want to give you any ideas because you don't know. But I told him this. I said, okay, if it's beyond the point to where he will talk to you, I said, beyond the point where he will talk to you. Not because you don't want to just, because you don't want to go and talk to him. But if it's beyond the point where he wants to talk to you, where he wants to talk to you. If he's through with you. If he's through with you. It's a different story. But I said I have to call him. And let, you, let him know. Where you will be. And I did. Because I cannot get out of order. And that's what I told him. He may be through with you. But I can still tell him. Where you are. And so I called the pastor, and I told him where, where this particular individual was going to come and all of that. And they pretty much left it open. They said, well, if they can go come here and grow and do what they're supposed to do in the kingdom instead of being, a, you know, flighty and 
all of that, that's fine. I said, okay. Well, they didn't ever come here. The point is, though, I did what was right. They never showed up in the church, but I did what was right. So I know when things are handled correctly and incorrectly. Because I walk in order. And there are people that are in other churches that I'm not through talking to. Wow. Now, I can't make them go here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they need to get in a place where they're no longer a fugitive. <laughs> Hello. We've got to help them. Got to help them some way to get to a point where they're no longer a fugitive. That's the point. I can't, can't make you go here. Don't feel like you're in a prison cell. Hello. Y'all all right? If I come to you and I say, yes, you can come here, you're here. I said, you're here. I didn't change my mind. You're here. This, this, this kind of talk right here, preaching, will scare you to death out there. And I know that. It scares you to death. But really what I want you to see is the side that it's an awesome thing for you. Because it protects you from being an apostolic fugitive. Hallelujah. See, you want somebody over you. You want a covering so that you can move in the anointing of God. And become what he wants for you to become. If you're baptized here, you're here. <laughs> wow. Everybody clear on all of that? I said, are you clear on all of that? If you are, give God a hand clap of praise. Can I show you? I want to show you something. I feel led to do this. And I, I promise you I'm almost through in the next hour or two. But I want to show you how carefully I walk in this. There was a brother and his wife who came here. I baptized him in Jesus' name on brothers. He came here and sat here last week in the back row right there. He came here. After we baptized him, he was a part of a Baptist church, and he continued to go to Baptist church with his wife. All right? Every once in a while, he'd show up there, you know, at our church. Well, in the meantime, he got out of the Baptist church, and he, well, at some point, he baptized his wife in Jesus' name. He got out of the Baptist church. He started going to another one this church here in town. Okay? Right. Well, we baptized him, but he was still in the Baptist church and progressively ended up over there. Here he comes. He comes, sits over here in the pew, and he said, Pastor, he said, I felt led of God to come here this morning and, and hear the word of God. And I said, okay, great. I gave him a big hug, you know, glad to see him, happy to see him. But afterwards, he walked up to me, and he says, I feel led to give you my tithe. Now watch. Now what do I do? I baptize him in Jesus' name. He's in another house right now. What do I do? Do I receive that tithe? And be in order or not. So what I did was I, I, walked, I had it in my hand. As soon as he gave it to me, I had it in my hand. And I was waiting on God to tell me what to do. Because, see, I don't want to say, okay, no. You know, you said God told you to give it to me. And if, okay, watch this. So I've got to know how to handle this. Because I can blow his confidence away of his ability to hear from God. So I'm carrying that tithe in my hand. And I walk outside with him to, to greet his wife, his lovely wife, tell her we were glad to have her here and whatnot. And after that, I walked up to him and I said, Brother, I cannot receive this tithe. 
It belongs to your house. That's the second word. If God told you to do it, you obeyed God. But God told me to give it back, so I obeyed God. The point is, I am tested all the time along these lines of order. And it would be easy for, and most preachers do, they'll just take it, stick it in their pocket and say, okay, thank you kindly. But for me, I cannot walk that way. And be blessed of God. I'll give you tithe banks that belongs to your church, your house. I did that to another guy in Crane. He came from another church. He, in fact, he was my brother-in-law. Came to visit our church in, in Crane. He put his tithe there. He was in, in a, another church at the time. Put his tithe in there. I walked up and I said, Brother, I, I can't receive this. This belongs to your house. I'm talking about money. I, you know, I, we, it wasn't like we didn't need it. We needed it. But I would have been out of order. And later on, I was associated with that pastor. I was his youth leader, and I told him about that. And he said, he looked at me, and he told me this. He said, they needed to learn that. What you did was right. They needed to learn that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, here, here, listen. Well, then he got to talking to me about how his call into the ministry. I asked him a question. I said, do you want to be called within an organization or not? He said, I want to be, I want to receive a license in organization. So I said, okay, here's the steps you have to follow within the, that organization. I didn't try to talk him out of getting out of that authority and getting out of that organization. He said, I want to do it under the organization. I said, this is the proper lines of authority to follow within those, in that group. Now, had he told me, he said, well, pastor, I don't want to be a part of an organization. I said, okay, now here's what you need to do if you're going to be a minister outside of an organization. My point is that I could get out of order. If he looks to men in that organization as being over him in authority, I could pull him out of that and mess him up royally. You've got to be careful how you give people advice. It's got to be God. You've got to find out where they are. Who is their authority? Who, Show me your pedigree. Show me the, place, the proof of your birthing. Who was your father? Who was your mother? Your father was the same as your mother. No, nah, that's another story. But Do you see what I'm saying? So, anyway, God's an awesome God. And it's binding and loosing. It's binding and loosing. And everything is different. Every situation. I know one thing, though. I want the blessing of God on myself. I want the blessing of God on you. You should want the blessing of God on your life. Don't be bribed. Don't be bribed. It's not through manipulation of this word that anything happens. It's through the power of the preached word that it takes place. I can't manipulate you into obedience. I just declare the word. The power, the power, the power is in the word. That's why if you take the tithe and you sow it into another kingdom, whether it be the kingdom of medicine, the kingdom of finance, the, the kingdom of automobiles, the kingdom of housing, if you take the tithe and sow it into a kingdom that is not authorized, you are robbing God. That's why. That's the principle. You've got to sow it into the house it belongs. But, brother, that's going to cost me. It costs me, too, to give it back to him. 
But it was coming into the wrong house. I'm trying to share things with you. I didn't know this when I first got in the church. What time is it? Oh, wow. Can I believe that? I promise you I'm through. When I first got in the kingdom, I took my tithe, and I, you know, because I used to listen to rock and roll music, and, I, and I, I've always been a tither. As soon as I got born again, I started tithing. If I made $200 a week, I tithed. I, I might have had to eat, you know, I had my own concoctions. I ate black-eyed peas mixed with rice. That was my meal. And if I didn't have that, I ate tuna fish and macaroni and cheese mixed together. Sometimes that was my meal. But I paid my tithe. I did that from the time I walked through the ch- when I got in the church. I never have stopped. But there was a time where I really didn't understand the location of the tithe. What was the location of the tithe? And so what I did was, I thought, well, you know, I'm having a problem. I, I need to get the victory over rock and roll music. I'm talking about when I was a real baby. And, and so I heard about this Christian rock, Christian rock music, I was calling. And so here's what I did. I said, I'll tell you what I do. I think, hey, man, the, yeah, tithe. Well, I can buy the things of God and, 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 and get some Christian music instead of the worldly music and belong in the music store, even though it was for Christian things. It didn't belong in the, the bookstore, even though it was purchasing steady materials. It belonged in the house of God. Hello, somebody. So I think I only did that maybe once, maybe twice when I first was a baby in the church. And after that, boom, God showed me things. Hallelujah. So if you take something out of the the proper location, that's important. Location is important. I said location is important. Well, it's, brother, isn't it going into the kingdom when he gave it to you? Wasn't it going to the kingdom of God? Location is important. You understand? So there's order. Say order in the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And God stands behind it. You with me? The only time he doesn't stand behind it is if there is disorder in that man. That man, that set man, that house is in disorder. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or what I mean by that is, I'm not talking about the tithe now. I'm talking about, like, you know, come on, watch. Like, well, a quick example, Bishop Wagner was in a conference with some people. And I'm, what I'm sharing with you, I didn't learn that part there, but I'm just saying, I want to give you some support here, okay, to what I'm saying. And, and he was in this conference, and it was a he said, she said. He said, she said. Don't get in he said, she said. Don't get in that he said, she said junk. If you do, man, you just get one side of the story. Get both of them there. Get everybody there. Then you, then you get rid of that he said, she said stuff. But anyway, he got in a situation. It was he said, she said. It was a minister and some other people. And so the minister was saying one thing, and the people were saying another thing. Okay? He said, she think. And so he, he gave him a chance. He said, I tell you what, I'm going to give you another chance to tell the truth. And so it was still, he said, she said, he said, she. And so Bishop Wagner said, God, put it on the screen. And God put it on the screen. 
And he began to describe. He said, talking about the minister, he said, you were in such and such a car. You were going down such and such a highway. This was the color of the car. And the minister said, stop right now. Now, if you don't think this is real, this is real. And if you don't think people will lie, they will lie. I'm talking about people that sit beside you in church. They'll look you in the eye and they will lie to you. To cover their hide. They will look you in the eyeball. They will talk to you on the phone. They'll lie to you to cover their skin because they know they've been found out. But see, God will put it on the screen and show you exactly what's going on. That's what I'm talking about. This is serious. Hello? Don't be too quick to judge every situation. Certain things going on, you don't know. See, I, I know, man, because I know, because I'll see something, and I'll go, well, I'll come to a conclusion. Be, don't be quick to come to a, an ultimate conclusion. I said, don't be quick to come to an ultimate conclusion. Because you don't have all the facts. You don't know everything that's been going on for the last six months. You step in there, well, I think this, I think that. You're stupid to do that. You, are, you, are, you don't know how dangerous... It is for you to do that. Because you don't know the deals. Right? Amen. You okay? Amen. The point is, there has to be order. Right? You understand? Don't be too quick to jump to conclusions. There's a man right now that's not here. And some of you would maybe wonder where he was. Maybe some of you don't even know he's not here. I'm not going to call him by name. But some of you might look over and say, well, he's not here. Where is he? He's already made arrangements. He's talked to me. He's told me what he has to do. He's told me what he needs to do. Okay? You with me here? I looked at him and I said, whatever you got to do, you got to do. I said, it's temporary anyway. It's not going to be forever. I said, what you got to do, you got to do right now. I said, do it. The main thing is that you told me what you were going to do. You didn't just disappear. You didn't just not show up. Why you weren't going to be there. That's the main thing. You didn't leave me hanging. Say, well, I wonder what happened to brother so-and-so today. I know where he is today. He's not backslid. He's made arrangements. It's a temporary thing. He's going through some things right now. He's in transition right now. It's, it's needful for him to not be here right now. Okay. Yeah, does this help you? So we're real quick to jump to conclusions, man. Well, they just, they're, they just, they're not going to make it. They, they're out of the church again. And, no, man. It's not always the case. All right. So anyway, always do that which is lawful. Do what's right. Stay in order. God will bless your life. I want that. I want that. I walk. Give God some praise. Uh, are you sowing into a kingdom that is not located and is not recognized by God for you to be sowing into? Do you know that you can sow into a ministry and it's not the will of God for you to have sown into that particular ministry and that's why there's no fruit coming to you? You've got to get somewhere or you've got to sow somewhere that God is telling you to so that you can participate in that anointing. 
And when you get there, then God will command the blessing. It's there that God commands the blessing. And a lot of people don't like for us to preach on money. But money answers all things. And that is in the Bible. And it's there that God commands the blessing. Wow, isn't God good? Wow, but pastor, I'm broke. All I can eat is, like I peas and rice. All I can eat is, is tuna fish mixed in macaroni and cheese. And, you know, are you expecting me to feed my kids that? Come on, church. How many of you want the, command, the blessing of God to be commanded to you? How many want to participate in the anointing of God? Come on, you with me here? Hello! Hello! How many can see yourself beyond poverty? Here, listen. One of the preachers, man, this just keeps coming to me. See, I, I love to preach because I get to preach what I, what I understand, and then I can get something from here and something from there and something I heard at the conference, you know. And one preacher said this. He said, do you think there's going to be welfare lines in heaven? If there's no welfare lines in heaven, you shouldn't be thinking you're going to stand in a welfare line here. If it's not in heaven, it shouldn't be here in your life. Woo. Now, you might have to do that some, but don't, don't expect to live the rest of your life that way. Okay, let's stand. I'm going to dismiss. Father, I worship you. I thank you today for your awesome word. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the desire to walk in you. You're holy. You're right. Oh, come on. Can you lift your voice? Lift your voice. Can you bless his name? Will you bless his name? Will you bless his name? Seven praises equal a worship. Come on, church. Don't be ripped off. Don't let the enemy steal your blessing. Yes. Yes. Look at me, church. Don't, don't, don't drive a stolen car. Don't drive a stolen car. Don't live in a stolen house. Don't take God's money and put it into cars and houses. You do that, you, you're driving a, a stolen car and living in a stolen house. And some of you are wearing stolen clothes, clothes today. Because you put it in the wrong kingdom. Hallelujah. It's not because I need your money. I don't need your money. I don't need your money. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Hello, God, give God some praise here. Man, I told you I wasn't going to beg for money, and I never will. But it was pretty awesome to me that they took up two offerings a night. <laughs> I'm looking in there.
And I'm going, well, this is some papers. <laughs> one, one, one service, they said, now, if you don't have anything to give, look to the person next to you. And if, if, or look to the person next to you. If they don't have anything to give, give them something to give. Well, I said, okay, God, I can do that. I opened my wallet, and that's the way it looked. That's the way it looks right there, you know. And I looked in there because I wanted to give Brother Daniel a dollar. <laughs> I looked in there. There wasn't nothing to give anybody else so they could give. And so Brother Daniel reached over and he pulled out a dollar and he gave me a dollar. I said, now, hold on, hold on. I looked at him and I said, is that all you've got? Now, the reason why I asked you that, I said, is that all you've got? Is because I knew that, that uh, when we went back to the airport that there were tolls that we had to go through. Okay, and so we had to go like through three or four tolls and, and it costs money to go through those tolls. Now you can get out of your car, close the door and stomp around saying, I don't believe in this. <laughs> I don't believe in giving into this machine, <laughs> but that's not going to do you any good because you're not going to be able to go through the toll, man. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? And so I looked at Brother Daniel and I said, is that all you got? He said, yeah. I said, there goes our toll money. <laughs> So I dropped the dollar in there, and I looked at him again and said, you got, is that all the money you have? He said, well, no, I got a couple of hundreds. I said, okay, we can get through the tolls. <laughs> we, we can catch the plane. <laughs> he said, oh, pastor, don't worry about it. He said, I got a bunch of change inside the rental car. Don't worry about it. Okay. Hallelujah. See, because we'd already been, that, been through that on the way to our, our room from the airport. We went up to the toll, and I pulled in the wrong lane. And it's that lane that says perf oh, uh, exact chains only. And I misunderstood what I was reading because my navigation partner wasn't helping me. So I pulled in there, exact change only. And here we are, we're stuck. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, I don't have exact change. And there's no t nobody there to give me change. And there comes a car pulled up right behind us. So I can already see it. Get out. Uh, sir, can you back up? Uh, back up, back up traffic. Right, uh, this major turnpike. Back up traffic, back up. Because this guy don't have exact change. And you cannot, I promise you, you cannot get through that door if you don't have change. You can, I don't believe in this. You can throw a fit. You can get mad. But it's not, you're not going through the door, honey. Okay, so Brother Daniel got out, my navigator. If he'd have been on his toes, we'd have never messed up to begin with. <laughs> no, he was such a blessing to me there. But anyway, uh, he walked out there and started talking to this guy. He's trying to break, break his bills, you know. And the guy just gave him the 50 cents. So we walked up there and threw it in there. And whoosh, on, our, on our way we went. So I can tell you, beg, borrow, <laughs> or whatever, you're going to have to have the money to go through the door. Hallelujah. You say, I don't believe it. You can get mad, fuss at it, grab it out, kiss it out. It makes no difference. All right. God bless y'all are dismissed. I've already prayed. So we'll, we'll see y'all tonight. Y'all get ready. We have dignity coming tonight. So y'all. Y'all dress like you're expecting a king. Because we have a king coming tonight. Y'all pray for me that we can preach the word of God tonight, okay? Thank, thank y'all. We love y'all. We miss y'all. 
But uh, we know y'all were blessed and we were blessed. So thank you for all your prayers. Amen. Give the Lord a hand.